Uh, Good morning. The scripture this morning comes from Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning again. Welcome to Holy Trinity Church. I'm John, one of the pastors here, and just want to say uh, a special welcome to those who have chocolate nearby in your slippers and are all warm. And uh, we're a little jealous of you. Welcome to 2022. We made it here. I, I do kind of like New Year's. It's like a get a new piece of paper out, uh, kind of a blank slate to write on, which I think is uh, enjoyable. You can kind of crumple up 2021 and throw it away and say, what, what, what does God have to write on your life in 2022? We're starting a a new series today called Warming Our Hands and Warming Our Hearts. It's a little bit of a nod to the fact that we are in winter in Chicago. Some of you like snow. Some of you, I love snow. I don't know about you. I think all the kids here are like, yeah, yeah, we love snow. We love snow. Uh, when I think of winter in Chicago, I think of uh, the Chicago Bears that are playing at noon today in sideways sleet kind of and them uh, losing um, on the football field. I think of... Uh, I was looking this week, January, sorry, February 2nd, 2011, there's this moment um, on, in, in Chicago on Lakeshore Drive when all the cars stopped. Like if you, if you Google pictures of it, it's sort of humorous and there's video of it as well, but it's like compl- a complete traffic jam with snow drifts coming over the cars and every, everything is like completely shut down. Um, I think also I had kind of a strange two years in my childhood. My parents were kind of late, late life hippies or early life hippies, I guess, sort of after the, the kind of phase of hippies. And we moved to, to northern Wisconsin to the Upper Peninsula. And uh, the, the saying there in the Upper Peninsula is like, you say, wow, man, it snowed a lot in there. I was like, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. You get, ten, no lie, you get 10 to 11 feet of snow in the Upper Peninsula every year. And there's like 80, I think there's 81 consecutive days of snow. So you, so my brother and I, I, I come from a big family, but it's just three of us then. We'd love just going outside and playing outside as much as you can, you know. But then you come back inside and your hands are like frozen red, you know. They're like, my dad used to go out and chop the wood outside and he, he loved being outside. So he'd come back in and this is so strange. This is, the, this is like the post-hippie part of it. We had no electricity for a year, so all of our heat came from chopped logs and chopped wood. So when we came inside, it was like you came around this, it was a Franklin stove with fresh chopped wood, and you like warmed your hands there. And I'm putting that imagery in your mind today because I just want to remind you that in the winter of Chicago, you got to keep your extremities warm, okay? Watch out for those. You don't want to lose any digits while you're outside. But also, just spiritually, it's important to 
kind of consciously take care of your spiritual life in the winter as well. In other words, it's possible for your hands to get a little bit chilled in the wintertime, but it's also part possible for your heart to get a bit chilled in the wintertime. And that's some of the reason why we're talking about some of the, the, the patterns of or habits of spiritual formation in the, in the weeks to come. In uh, 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, he says, to fan into a flame the gift that God has given to you. And I love the imagery there of like needing to bring something into a flame. Um, and then also in Proverbs 4.23, it says that it says to guard your heart because from it come the streams of life. In other words, really take care of your heart because it's where your life kind of comes from. And so that's the imagery that we're going to be thinking about about the, the next few weeks. Um, you think of it this way. We want to come near to God's love to warm our hearts and near to God's work to warm our hands. He, he wants us to know his love for him, but he also wants us to be about the work that he has for us to do. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be just thinking about what is the work that God's called us to do and, and how are we to live uh, in our city. Uh, I'll just give three, three goals, and I kind of mentioned two of them already for this series. One is to just warm our hearts to God's love. Two is to warm our hearts to um, his work that he has for us in the city. And then also just to recognize the importance of the work that God has called us to do in this city. So part of what we're going to do over the next few weeks is just be thinking about where God is leading us um, as a church and where God might be leading us in the city. And what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to read um, from the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And I want you to just be thinking about this text with me this morning as a kind of aim for ourselves for this next year, but also for a few years to come. So will you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we admit to you that um, we can sometimes become cold in our hearts, that we can sometimes feel far away from you. And yet we ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us to see clearly what it is that you are calling us to do in this city. Our, uh, warm us, O oh Lord, with your love. Help us to draw near. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew 28, 16 to 20, and we will be thinking about these verses a little bit this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord from Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, they were, when they saw him, that is Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Which is to say that the scripture we're going to study this morning is Matthew 28, okay? So we will look at Acts 13 in a little bit, but um, the text changed at some point during the week, and obviously the database wasn't updated, all right? We're going to just talk a little bit about discipleship this morning, and if you, I just want to get in your mind the idea of what a disciple is just as we begin. So technically speaking, a disciple is 
a student of someone else, a follower of someone else. And if you go back to the first century and you were to enter into the sort of community of some of the rabbis, you would find that rabbis, that is the teachers, had disciples. That is people that would follow them. But they weren't merely learning, these followers of the various rabbis were not merely learning content to be memorized. They were also learning a way of life, which is why some scholars like um, Dallas Willard think of the word disciple as an apprentice. Because apprentice has more to do with uh, the kind of, if you think, you think of somebody like a carpenter who is learning the trades, it doesn't matter if you can fill out a checklist or answer correctly um, a true and false test about carpentry, you have to use those skills. So in following Jesus, there's an idea that it requires all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your spirit, that it's the fullness of you. Some psychologists today might call it an integrated self. In, in Hebrew understanding, the mind and the heart are integrated together. And so as we think at the beginning of 2022 about uh, what God might have ahead for us in this next year, I just want to call you to one very simple thing which is to be a, an apprentice of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, um, to be what we might call a practicing disciple. There's a lot of nominalism in our culture today that, that says we're Christians, but it's really a veneer of uh, an identity of I was born into a certain kind of faith. And what Jesus is calling us to in this passage when he is talking about being or making disciples, he's talking about people that are practicing what he has called us to do. And so that's really what I just want to call you to this morning is to, to begin 2022 with a kind of recommitment to be this apprentice of Jesus or a practicing disciple of, of Jesus. And... Some of what I'm, I'm going to be talking about today, but also we'll be thinking about over the next four or five weeks, are actually a number of, of ideas that our elders and our congregation have been prayerfully planning over the last couple of years. And I, I want to just set this idea of discipleship for a moment in the context of the city of Chicago, but also in our kind of broader context in terms of why it's challenging to be a disciple. So one of, the, one of the reasons personally that is on an individual level why it's challenging to be a disciple in today's culture is just simply isolation. When you're living in a, a very large city, it's, it's easy to get cut off from other people. It's easy to get cocooned in your work and uh, really sort of lose a sense of community among the other people that are around you. So isolation is a challenge for us in our culture today, in, in, in the, especially in the urban context. Another one is, I'll just call it temptation. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the temptations of the flesh and the world and the devil. There's a way in which those are kind of amplified in an amazing city like the city of Chicago. <laughs> that is, you can find sort of whatever you want in a large city, in a great city like Chicago which means that a city like Chicago can be a great place of influence, but it can also be a great 
um, temptation or a stumbling block for many people. If you think of what happens is people from smaller and, and, and rural contexts will sometimes, if they really want to pursue a lifestyle that's different from the context that they grew up in, they may come to a city because they, you can find a community in that city of people that will sort of rubber stamp the lifestyle that you want to take. So isolation and um, this, this simple idea of, of temptation. More broadly speaking, though, if you think of our culture today, um, it's become what you might call increasingly post-Christian. That is, there was a time period where the idea of sharing who Jesus is fit with the kind of narrative of the culture itself. And so conversion to Christianity merely meant kind of adopting certain moral teachings that people already believed. What, the way that we sometimes talk about it today is that today not only have, have people, we, we've moved from this idea of, oh, hey, that's, a, that's nice for you if you just want to be religious, that's great for you, but I'm not into that, to the culture now saying, Man, you are really strange, and not only strange, offensive, and bigoted. So our culture today, when it hears kind of the moral teachings of Jesus, now has this kind of reaction of like, um, that's really strange and, and bigoted. So I'm saying that discipleship is, is kind of different in our culture today than it was even 10 or 20 years ago. I'll mention two other things. Just the divisiveness of our culture is a thing uh, with, with a congregation that has people from different ethnic backgrounds. Um, this, this can be a challenge as well. What I mean is that our culture has become more and more divided in different ways politically, and it takes a great amount of effort in a diverse place to say, no, we are all one together because of who Christ is. There's a lot of division, isolation, temptation, kind of post-Christian division. And then there's challenges that just that are simple cost challenges. Um, it can be two to ten times more challenging or financially challenging in a city to do ministry. Um, and the idea there, though, is that the cost of one soul is of infinite value. And so the work in the ministry in a city is really important. So we have a group that we call our steering committee for our what we're calling Chicago 2025. And one of the ways they have stated it is this, that Chicago is, this is part of our need, is that Chicago is at the center of a national, generational, and multicultural revolution that is characterized by polarized politics, exposed racial tensions, increasingly secularized post-Christian society, which sometimes results in like personal disorientation or, or hopelessness. And yet, and this is why I read Matthew 28, the, the mission of Jesus in the culture doesn't change. To continue to make practicing or faithful disciples in the midst of a changing culture is part of what God has called us to, which means, again, think of this as the beginning of the year. Think of us as thinking about the next year, but also the next three or four years of, of our life as a church. We want to be committed to answering questions like, what does it look like to love your neighbor in this divisive context that we live in? What does it look like on a daily basis to, to be a practicing disciple in your home, in your neighborhood, at work, with your friends? How do we become better at the, the daily practice of our faith? 
And how do we affect wider change in our city as we seek to implement the vision of seeing the city of Chicago transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we be a part of what God is doing to reverse some of the injustices of our city, to bring about more economic equity in our city? I was in Wisconsin for a couple of days, and speaking of uh, doing stupid things in winter, a couple of people jumped in the lake for a polar plunge. But during, that was just for nothing, okay? But during the day, I was watching some geese fly, and you know how they fly in, in a kind of formation. And part of the reason why I'm talking about this is I want us to be thinking about flying together in the, in the unity and towards the destination and the direction that God is calling us to. So very simply, if you were to say, what is our, our overarching aim for the next three or four years? It really is to, in the midst of a polarized, kind of upside-down culture, to just be faithful and continuing to make disciples and to answer those kinds of questions that I just... Uh, laid out to help us all. Our lifeline is the gospel in this culture today that we're in and are called to be Christ followers. So we're, we're embarking in the next few weeks on something we call Chicago 2025, which is a way of thinking about answering those questions that we just mentioned, how each of us can be a kind of Christ-centered beacon in our culture today and be a practicing disciple. We really want to see the gospel change our city. That's what we want to see happen. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just put three priorities on the screen, which flickered up there for a second, but I'll just show you these real quick. And then what I'm going to do is I just want to show you how they're illustrated in the text a little bit and talk a little bit about them. So I'm just outlining them this morning, and in the next few weeks we'll dig deeper into them. Here's three priorities that, that all relate to making practicing disciples in the city. One is just fortifying our center city congregation. Two is investing in our neighborhoods. And then three is training people for gospel ministry. And thank you. We can go back to the other slide. Those are the kind of three priorities that our elders and our, our congregation have worked hard to say, hey, if we just simplify what we need to be doing about in the next three years, what are some of our priorities? And the first one is, as I said, fortifying our center city congregation. And one way to, one way to think of this is that, and this, this comes out of this text a little bit, is that, Discipleship is about immersing yourself in God's character and in God's community. Let me say that again. Discipleship is about immersing yourself in God's character and God's community. So it's very common today in our culture to say, you know, I'm just going to be spiritual on my own. I really don't need other people around me. And there's there's some truth to that. There's some truth to the idea that you need to be a practicing disciple on your own. But the New Testament is super clear that we really need one another, that we need a community of people around us. And I use the language of immersing ourselves in the character and the community of God because the, the culture is shaping us in a really powerful way. If you, from the text, if you want to look at the text for a moment, the second text, which we read this morning, which is... Uh, the, the, the Great Commission there. It says, go therefore, this is verse 19, and make disciples of all nations. And then it says, listen to this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The imagery there is of water baptism. So those who follow Jesus at a certain point are asked 
to take the sign of baptism upon them in the same way Jesus took it upon them. But the, the language there is language of immersion, that is, of, of, of being plunged, in a sense, into something or having water being kind of poured over you. And in this case, it's, it's being immersed into the, the character and the community of God. That's why it says Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's who you're kind of baptized into. So if you think of it in terms of discipleship, that means that the community of God has to be strong enough to uphold the people of God. And I'm just going to, I'm going to be kind of speaking to those of you who have been a part of the church for some time. This is a little bit, this part uh, is really thinking about some of the priorities that God has for us as a church. For us, what it means to, the, to implement this first priority of fortifying our center city congregation means a few things. One is it means continuing to be a people who are vibrant in worship, who seek to be a light in the city, and are committed to discipleship. But it also means some other practical things like, man, God, would you please give us a space so that we don't have to meet in hotels anymore, All right? So that's part of this first priority for us of fortifying the, the, the center city congregation is that. Um, we're asking God to give us a space. Think of it this way. If God could give us a space that what we could call our own for 50 years, that would sort of fortify the foundation of Holy Trinity for the next 50 years, what would that look like? What would it look like for him to give us a space to minister to 500 singles or 500 young couples or 500 families and 500 children? What does that look like? That's 50 years. Let me give you five years. What does it look like for us to just have a space 24-7 to strengthen the people of God, to immerse them in the character in the community of God? So one, yeah, we need to continue to be a light in our city, two, space. Um, three, financially, we're asking God to just strengthen us for the next five years of our work and our ministry. And four, um, God has given us a commitment to building multi-ethnic teams. And over the last, since about 2006, God has given us the privilege of that. Uh, we, we, we will be having a pastoral resident come on in the next two months that the Lord's provided um, a grant for us from uh, an organization that's a foundation that will give us two residents over the next um, four years. So be praying for the Lord to bring us uh, the right leadership. We're committed to training leadership. All of that is part of fortifying the downtown congregation, or you might say immersing ourselves in the character and the community of God. In this text, you'll also see not just that discipleship is about this kind of immersive moment. There's also, I'll call it a, a dispersive moment, okay? So there's a lot of geographic terms in this text. In the text, it says, for instance, go. There's this like, yeah, you're supposed to gather together. There's a gathering together, but there's also a scattering. Go, or make disciples, it says, of all nations. In other words, the gospel is not only for one people. It's not only for one group or one geographic locations. This is why the second priority is really investing in the neighborhoods. To say we're, we are to, you think of it this way, if God has called us to love our neighbor and to love, himself, love him, that can't exclude our actual physical neighbors. 
Like, it does mean something more when God says to love your neighbor. It does mean, in one sense, to love all those who are around you, but you actually do live in a certain place. There's another element of this kind of expansive or dispersive uh, imagery in this text, because Jesus says the whole root of the challenge to make disciples is actually coming from verse 18, where it says, I just want you to think of the geography of this. All authority, where? In heaven and on earth has been given unto me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I own everything. And because I own everything, everyone needs to hear the good news. Another way to think of it, um, there's a a, a great quote that um, we sometimes use around the office and on our team that speaks of there is not one inch, and I'm going to modify this a little bit, of every neighborhood of Chicago that Jesus Christ does not declare mine. In other words, if, if every person belongs to him, and if every, we're talking about every neighborhood belonging to the person of Jesus. When, we first moved, when I first moved to Chicago about 23 years ago, this is hard to believe, but we have like these neighborhood. We have these uh, headlines from our neighborhood, um, the Hyde Park Herald, back 23 years ago, 1998, when we first moved in, and the headline says talks about the worst drug corner on in Hyde Park. That's like saying you know the worst drug corner at Disney World or something like that, I suppose. But because Hyde Park's a pretty um, upwardly mobile context, but we had when we first moved there, we had dr- drug dealers on the corner and. Like they were, they were part of my neighbors, um, and so there's a period of time where where I would get to know the names of the guys that were standing on that corner to the point that one of them, and this is a little bit humorous. Um, my wife was laughing about this the other day. One of them, one of these guys who was a drug dealer, asked me for a character reference uh, to go before a judge to say, you know, he was a pretty good, as far as drug dealers go, he's a pretty good guy. Uh, and I did it. I'm like, I, I can write you a character reference, but I'm going to have to be honest or I guess just really vague. You're right. There's another time, though, when, when um, on one of the corners, and I'm saying this to, to think about the idea that everything belongs to Christ in our neighborhoods, that... Uh, one of the guys was kind of walking up and down our street right in front of our house, and I didn't want him there. So I walked outside and walked up to him, trying to like frame myself as big as I possibly could, and I told him, this neighborhood does not belong to you. It belongs to Jesus Christ. The guy ran away from me. <laughs> he literally, he's like backpedaling. This, yeah, that's a very strange thing for someone to say. But my point is simply this. We need to invest in the neighborhoods because they're where you live. We need to invest in the neighborhoods because it's where the need is in our city. We need to invest in the neighborhood because we have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to picture it this way. Maybe you've heard me say it before, but picture like the idea of God building a city within the city. Picture the idea of a rural uh, village somewhere, okay, where somebody's on their farm, but they can walk over here to get some eggs, or they can um, go over to the marketplace to to share news or something. But sort of like everybody knows everyone in this town of 200 or so. Now picture transposing that into 
a neighborhood that's near you where you're within a 10 minute walking distance. There's a kind of neighborhood village, a city within the city of people of God who are in that neighborhood because they love Christ, they love the neighborhood, and they love God's mission. In other words, God calls us for immersive discipleship in his character and in his community, but he also calls us into this dispersal of mission into our neighborhoods to invest in our neighborhoods. And so in the, in the weeks to come, we'll be just talking a little bit about this idea of a neighborhood village or what some of you are involved in, in, in an intentional Christian community. And I just say a couple quick words on how to do this. How to, we just are going to be asking people to help us create intentional Christian communities over the next three years. If you want to know how, we'd be happy to walk with you in the process of building. This is not a community group. This is people who are like, I've moved into this neighborhood for the sake of mission, for the sake of community. Secondly, we will be appointing leadership for this role, pastoral or pastoral residencies in the next few months, Lord willing, that will be a key component of this work. And then just want to be teaching you, teaching each other how to love our neighbor and to love God in our, our neighborhoods. So that is our second priority. If the first priority is really fortifying us at the center in this kind of immersive way, the second one is this dispersive way, which is investing in our neighborhoods. And last thing I'll say, and really this is going to be the topic next week, and I'll try to get this scripture reading right for next week. This is kind of the third pillar of making practicing disciples in our city in a post-Christian world. Yes, strengthening the center. Yes, sending in the neighborhoods. But the third one is just training people for congregation, sorry, for, for gospel ministry. In other words, helping people know how to serve and live in our city. Um, it's, it's, again, we'll talk about this mostly next week, but if you think about this context that we live in, this fast-paced world that we live in, where the gospel, it's easy to think of our, our faith as just being something for Sunday morning. We want to train you to be a disciple and be trained by one another to know what it looks like to live every day under the authority of Christ, every moment in every part of the city of Chicago. Uh, next week, we'll be talking a little bit about something we call the Holy Trinity Institute for Discipleship and Mission, just to, to offer ways to intensify our discipleship training in the city in days to come. And we'll talk, I'll talk more about that um, next week for sure. But for now, all I want you to do is just pause for a moment at the beginning of 2022 and think about this idea of being an apprentice of Christ, of, of following as a, a, a practicing disciple of Christ at the beginning of this year and say, Lord, I want to give myself fully to you, fully to be somebody that is following you in order to bring glory to God. Wouldn't it be amazing if we, in three years, could look back and say, yes, I've learned what it really means to follow Jesus Christ in the details of my life. Or I've, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to say in three years, look, I, I now understand more in depth, in this <laughs> divided isolated, post-Christian world, what it means to really love my neighbor who is either similar to me or so radically di different from me that 
uh, it's disorienting. Wouldn't it be amazing to see some of our dreams for our city be becoming transformed by the power of the gospel beginning to take root over the next three years? So main, main call, be and make practicing disciples in the center of our city and in the neighborhoods. And then help us as we think through how to fortify the congregation, how to uh, invest in the neighborhoods, and how to train one another for the work of the gospel. That's my word for you on this 2nd of February. For those of you who are at home and those who are here, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we bow before you and we thank you for the gospel, which in which and through which Jesus is bringing an entirely new kingdom. And we pray, O oh Lord, that uh, you would allow us to be a part of this kingdom that you are bringing on this earth, and that you would help us to have the hope and the direction and the intensity and the humility that we need to be a part of your great gospel work. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.